Adams, the snap, he drops back three, he cocks his right arm, there's a long line drive in the end zone, leaping, falling down, corner catch, touchdown! Jakeem Grant, heavily covered in the corner of the end zone. He beat Malcolm Butler. What a throw by Cutler. What a falling down, leaping two-handed catch made by Grant. And a touchdown for the Dolphins, who extend their lead over the New England Patriots, 19-10 early third. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. You guys heard that highlight off the top of Jay Cutler playing pretty dang well against the Patriots. Kevin, the Dolphins in prime time. I mean, it's been a rough year for them on this podcast, but I think they, they were coming after you for a little bit last night. Tom Brady's now 7-9 and nine in Miami all time. I was having a discussion with a couple of Patriots fans yesterday about this. What is the deal with that? I mean, it's I not like the Dolphins are ever good. I have a theory. So he's 7-9 and nine now, which is a full season in Miami. Anyone who plays that much in Miami becomes the Dolphins. Tom Brady in Miami is now just just the Dolphins. So he's but seven Jake and nine. Played really well in Miami last night. I know. I listen. I was at a game where Tom Brady played in Miami, and it was when Randy Moss dunked on two people, and they both tore their ACLs. <sighs> Man, it was a heck of a day. I, I that was that ten years ago. Well. Yeah, it was ten years ago. I remember where I was that day. I was not in Miami. I was at a sports bar in Columbia, and then. Now Jay Cutler is the new Tom Brady, so come full circle. I was talking about this a little bit on Twitter last night, but just the idea of Jay Cutler playing well, it was always an odd experience for me because even when it was in the benefit of my team, I couldn't enjoy it because all I could think is, why does he play like this all the he time? He looked like the most miserable person on the planet celebrating that win last night. Did you see it, that? He is. Uh, everything about him is spectacular. Again, I'm so glad I get to do it from kind of an aesthetic distance now where I don't have to care. And I can kind of look at it as more of a psychological experiment than anything else. The Jay Cutler experience is something else, man. I, I mean, I really don't know how to describe it to people that have never been full on. No, they got it. We got it. it. We're all set. We get. We know it. We <laughs> can see. That's true. We can see him staring off with a thousand yard stare after they beat the p- best team in football by ten points. I mean, he really that, those type, those games where he just is accurate and he's slinging balls in there. He's doing a little bit with his feet. I mean, the guy is just so immensely talented. It, it, again, no one needs to, that explained to them. It's always going to be like this and it's always going to be maddening when he plays terrible which is probably going to happen next week you know i i think that there's there's always sort of a patriots what the hell game and they're yeah, kind of getting they're kind of getting this out of the way i think um, every team has one of those we talked about that last week with philly and we'll get into their what the hell well, season after this they but, have a what the hell injury right now yes but i mean i think every team even during a magical run has a couple games like this and you're right i think this is the patriots one time though uh the patriots the 2007 Patriots, what's the, what the hell game was in the Super Bowl? Sure. That was a couple tough games. Yeah, that's fair. No, they that's didn't fair. lose any other games, so that's not a what the hell game. Um, no, I, I thought I, I'm not going to panic over this. I mean, they were horrendous no. on third down, but I, I'm not I'm not ready to to say anything in the bigger picture about the Patriots playoff chances. I agree. And they're they were, did not look at an offense yesterday. They couldn't run the ball very well. They're off on third down, could not push the ball down the field. You miss Gronk. That, that certainly yeah. doesn't help. And the thing I'm looking at is more what are they going to do on defense at certain positions? Right. So they're always going to be fine overall. I think we've learned that all of our trepidation and concerns early probably weren't warranted, but. 
there are positions on that defense that I'm concerned about. They have no linebackers. Mm-hmm. And against certain teams, matchups will be an issue. But I also think every team has that issue right now. If you watch Pittsburgh on Sunday, they could not stop Alex Collins. I mean, they're going to miss Ryan Shazier. There's no flawless team. So even that New England roster with a few massive holes, every roster has a couple massive holes right now. The only one that probably didn't was Philly, and now quarterback is a hole for them. Right. So there's there's a couple of things I want to talk, touch on from this game. First of all, if the Dolphins went out, they probably made the playoffs. <laughs> I just want everyone to be aware of this. I just because, love that you said if the Dolphins went out as if I, that I, was they any just sort beat of precursor. Them no, I obviously, obviously the gag over the, the course of this week. Some of the, some of the Dolphins writers say if they went out, they'll make the playoffs. And it's sort of tongue-in-cheek because they have to beat the Patriots. But now they, they have two games against the Bills and they have the Chiefs. They're, they're not going to go 3-0, and but they, it's not impossible. The Patriots yeah. game was the one that was impossible, and they just sort of they won, and they won pretty handily. I think that there is it's a tough road even if they do win out because I feel like the Chargers could win out. I mean, the Ravens absolutely can win the rest of their games. There's still one game. Or they're, yeah, there's still a game back in the wild card. Do they have the tiebreaker, all those teams? Yes. What's the tiebreaker yes. is yes. what? They would also have a tiebreaker on the Chiefs if they beat the Chiefs. It's conference record for the wild card, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, well, I mean, head-to-head, obviously. Head-to-head is number one, yeah. And then conference record goes beyond They beat that, the Chargers. Right? Do you remember they beat the Chargers? In this Jesus, scenario, yeah. they would have beaten the Chargers and the Chiefs and the Titans. They lost to the Ravens, though. God, I can't. Forty. They lost the Ravens forty to nothing. Oh yeah, that was. Oh god, that was the Monday night game. And then they also remember last year they got spanked against the Ravens. That's just like the one team. Even when they're pulling out these awful wins, they can't beat the Ravens. (laughs) They actually get crushed by the Ravens. Man, Uh, you laugh at the Dolphins making the playoffs, but just imagine if it happens. I will be. I won't know what. I don't know what I'll do. Imagine. I seriously don't know what I'll do if they just think about all the dumb crap we've had to put through. Put put ourselves through this season. Oh, and so, like, why why are you saying do. this won't happen? I almost, in the context of 2017 season, I'm 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 booking a playoff flight to Miami at this point. Yeah, it's been an awful year in a lot of ways, and we'll talk about that in reference to the Carson Wentz injury. We'll get to that messy ASU wildcard picture as well later. Danny Kelly will be here to talk about the Seahawks just losing control in more than one way in Jacksonville, and which NFC teams have a chance to possibly leap them in the wild card. Before that, though, let's get going with our four downs, our four biggest stories from the weekend. Kevin, on first down, there's really really only one place to start, and that is with the injury to Carson Wentz, which is horrible news for just about everybody. Everybody. (laughs) Uh, With Wentz and Watson going down, you could probably argue that we've lost the two defining players of this season. And in the case of. And we lost Aaron Rodgers, who defines every season. Everything, yes. And in this case, Kevin, the ripple effect is huge. It touches pretty much every aspect of this year. Let's start with the Eagles. Yeah. Though. Does this sink Philly's Super Bowl chances in your mind? Well, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. Number one, I was, you know, I was joking, obviously, but the context of the 2017 season. In a normal year, it does. Uh, there was a statistic the NFL put out. Um, since 1991, 13 quarterbacks have started a game in the playoffs with three or fewer starts that season. Yeah. Okay. I saw that. Their combined record, two and twelve. And Frank Reich has both those wins, which is amazing. <laughs> the, obviously, if you don't know, Frank Reich is the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, so that all comes full circle. 
I still am. I, I'm worried about this. It, do you think me, that Doug Peterson is jealous that Frank Reich got to do that because he was just he was also a longtime backup guy? Yeah. What, what sort of a lifetime backup politics exists in the Eagles offense? Like they, they both they both sit back and, and crack open a beer, you know, after a hard day of work. And they're talking about being backups. And then Frank Reich gets to talk about the time that he got to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Nick Foles is a member of that club, though. Nick Foles, lifetime backup as well. At least he has a coaching staff that can relate to him. It's probably a good place to start. Unbelievable. I, I'm not too optimistic about this. I feel like there are too many good teams remaining, even if you consider the flaws they have for Philly to walk in with a backup quarterback and be favored against a few of these people. I think that them playing New Orleans... Uh, New Orleans is a better team than them. I think yep. they would have a hard time with Atlanta at this point. I, I like the rest of Philly's roster, but I just think that Wentz is playing so well. And Wentz was doing stuff that Nick Foles just can't do. And that's my problem. It, it, this isn't a plug-and-play situation. The running game is very good for the Eagles. Their offensive line is still very good. They have weapons. Their defense is very good. But what Wentz was doing in extending plays and just kind of negating what happened on the left side of the offensive line at times, I feel like the cracks in this team are going to show up more with Foles, and we're going to remember that they weren't a perfect team with Wentz. So he was able to mask a lot of the stuff that made them imperfect. Wentz, Wentz was sort of a light, very light version of Aaron Rodgers. When we talk about just a quarterback who's so good they can they can mask anything. And and the interesting thing of this year is that the Eagles roster is significantly better than the Packers roster. Oh, absolutely um, right. And so I was there. On Sunday, I was at the LA Coliseum, and there were a couple of things that struck me. Number one, Doug Peterson tried to put a very, very happy spin on this because they had clinched the NFC East, and you know he actually used the term jubilation about the team. And I don't know what was going on there. Um, I mean, like you know, I think that I saw a tweet yesterday that one of the beat writers basically said that the team was trying to compare this to you know a Darren Sproles injury or a Jason Peters injury. And I understand the significance and sort of the next man up mentality, but at some point it's, it's not next man up. Um, and so what I'm, what I'm getting at here is that, so Peterson's talking about jubilation. I was, I saw those players. I talked to those players. Um, they weren't jubilant at all. Yeah. Um, there, there was no, and, and there was seemingly a disconnect. And I think if the Eagles coaching staff tries to approach this as n- nothing is wrong, um, that's the wrong approach because the, the, the players were devastated because they, by the way, just for, I'm not saying anything about Nick Foles. I'm sure Nick Foles is a popular guy, but they were in love with Carson Wentz. Carson yes. Wentz of the 53 players on that team, the 52 players who were not Carson Wentz were in love with Carson Wentz. And I think you, you really, there could be some weird weeks ahead just emotionally for them. Um, that, that At this I think point in the season, it's devastating to lose your quarterback. <laughs> I mean, this isn't week six. This is, we feel like we're the best team in the league. We're headed to the Super Bowl. And then when it's I mean, become a fully are. formed idea, it is suddenly taken away from you. When I was watching them, and when, especially when they, they went up in that game, I'm sitting there thinking, that these, this team's going to get to the Super Bowl. This team's going to get to this. I mean, I, and I'm sure they thought that too. They were kind of sticking it to the Rams a little bit. I mean, obviously they had a slip up in the second half, but like they were moving the ball on the Ram, a really good Rams defense. I was really impressed with that team. Having said that, I mean, I, I just want to talk very quickly about the 2017 NFL season and the way that I view it. So I went to the Coliseum to write a column about Goff and Wentz and, and how 
and why we were set up for a new generation of quarterbacks, the process behind that, what it's going to look like, how it's going to be different from the golden generation of quarterbacks that we're used to now. And Carson Wentz tore his ACL. It's out for the season. And it's, it's interesting to me that I wrote that this sucks. And the reaction I got was, you hate football so much. I want to give you some context on this. Uh, first of all, we both love football. But I'm lukewarm on it now. I'm, lukewarm, yeah. I'm out on it now after the Wentz injury. We both love football. That's, what, that's why we're here. There are four or five instances where we've tried to celebrate a player in the play, this season and the player has been immediately ruled out for the season. And, you know, the famous thing we talked about was we had a meeting, uh, all of the NFL people here at the Ringer, and we decided we're going all in on Deshaun Watson. And at the end of the meeting, it was revealed that he had torn his ACL. Meeting wasn't even over yet. We the were meeting all still wasn't over. I made, I saw the tweet in the meeting. And now I go, the meeting to be over. I go to, to, I spend a week in Anaheim where they were practicing and I'm getting all sorts of here comes Carson one stories and he tears his ACL. I have no idea, and we will never know data-wise if injuries are getting worse in the NFL. Football, uh, football Outsiders tracks injury data, and the data says injuries have spiked since 2007, but that could be slightly misleading because it's reported injuries, and maybe guys are just saying they're hurt more because they're smarter about their bodies and all that. But I think anecdotally, it's pretty clear something is extremely wrong. And that's why I keep writing these stories. If I wanted football to die, I just wouldn't say anything. I would just let it quietly die because, you know, Nick Foles would be playing Case Keenum in, in the NFC Championship game forever and ever. I want Carson Wentz in the, in the NFC Championship game. I want Deshaun Watson playing on Divisional Weekend. That is my hope for the sport of football. That's all of our hopes for the sport of football. And so, I mean, I, I just, I... The sport as it's currently constructed is extremely violent. The athletes are bigger and faster than ever before. That makes the collisions bigger and faster than ever before. People were coming at me and saying Carson Wentz's injury was non-contact. Excuse me, did you see the contact? He got squished between two really good Rams defenders. His leg. I think that this I think this year's an aberration. I really do. I mean, injuries aren't up league wide. It's just the guys getting hurt are the best players. But injuries are up league wide, but They're not to just, the degree where no. it's like this is a this is an epidemic. How can we ever go on? I, I don't think that has changed. Football hasn't suddenly gotten so much more violent in the last two or three years, and athletes haven't gotten so much better. I think the group of players that has hurt this year is extremely high profile. But it was last year. I mean, Marcus Mariota broke his leg last year. Derek Carr broke his leg last year. Every, every seemingly any quarterback that's under the age of 30 years old has had a devastating injury in the last 12 months. I mean, but the, Deshaun Watson did it while touching no one. Oh, so I understand that. Bridgewater. I understand so did that. Dalvin Cook. I understand I just that. Think Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone like we've seen 100,000 people break their collarbones playing football. It, it just, I don't know. This year feels like the spike is to the players that we notice. There's so many teams right now that are absurdly healthy. Like even the Eagles are absurdly healthy. It just happens to be I mean, that the I two guess. best players I mean, have... on their team are the ones that are hurt. Yeah. I it, look, it, 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 this could just be the unluckiest season in the history of football. I understand that. I am leaning that direction because I don't think that if you look at a lot of the numbers, it is any different than what's happened over the last five years. I think the players that have it's happened to are different. 
But the the number of guys who have missed games is spiking, and that's and that's what's interesting to me over over the broad, over oh, in the big picture, the number of game, guys who have missed games is spiking, and so. I mean, maybe it just becomes an injury league, and 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 there were people who were saying, "Oh, it's always been about injuries." Well, it hasn't. It hasn't to this degree. It hasn't to this degree. And I think the last few years it has been. But, but I, I right, do the think last that few years. Year. I'm talking yeah. about this era. It's not that twenty the 2017 season is the start of something new. No. It's that this is this era of football. It sucks. It sucks because I. Wanted to see Carson Wentz in the Super Bowl. I wanted to see. I I I know, and I said this. I said I praised Eagles fans on Twitter, and I had all of these people coming at me, being like, "I hate Eagles fans," and so I'm, I'm going to leave that argument aside. Watching the Eagles fans at the Coliseum, and even I was in Santa Monica on Saturday. And I saw the Eagles fans just walking around. I wanted that fan base in the Super Bowl. Like that is a yeah. fun team. It's a fun fan base. Doug Peterson not knowing what's going on on the Tuesday of Super Bowl week is is funny to me. <laughs> Trust me, man. I was with you. I loved this team from the start. Uh, I thought they'd be really good. I was happy to see that they were really good. It's always enjoyable to me when you can see a team just hit the parts of its plan that it was trying to and become the team they wanted to be in terms of roster construction, all that stuff. I find that fascinating. The Eagles did that. Everything they could have been as a team this year, they were and more. And to see that taken away at this stage just sucks. It sucks for everybody. The thing I got a lot of people coming at me for, um, which I found interesting because I I certainly don't, I'm not going to change my stance on it. I said, you know, if Nick Foles can make the Super Bowl, and maybe he can because that that defense is still really good. Foles himself is decent. We've seen Foles succeed, obviously, over basically a full season. So I'm not totally pessimistic that he that he's yeah I, I don't anticipate them losing out or anything like that but if if Foles can make the Super Bowl from the NFC that's part of the problem that's a symptom of the larger disease in the NFL if the if 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 the talent is such that Nick Foles can make the Super Bowl I mean I I would guess at this point I mean I don't I, I couldn't even handicap the NFC race at this point I mean it's impossible I mean, well, we're gonna try here in a second I know <laughs> all right let's move on uh, all right. For now, with everything that's happened with the Eagles, and I will address all those points here as we keep going. For everything that happened to the Eagles this weekend, they remain atop the NFC after the Vikings lost to yeah. Carolina. On second down here, let's dig into that win by the Panthers and what it actually does mean. So it was probably the most impressive of the weekend, in my opinion. It really showed off the elements of their roster that I think could make them a tough out in the playoffs. So after watching that game, even though you just said you can't, where would you put the Panthers in the NFC right now? You know. Well, the one thing I want to avoid is sort of name recognition football and sure. just saying that, that that because he's Cam Newton, I would put them near the top um, because Cam Newton, you know, he, he is the, 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 the passing yardage numbers for Carolina the last three weeks. Have you seen them? Yes. 129 on Sunday, 167 the week before, 154 the week before. So I, I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not seeing vintage Cam Newton here, um, but he is Cam Newton, and so he does get some points here. They've won, what, five of six games? They're and nine the and one four. one loss to New Orleans. And the one loss is to New Orleans. They beat the Vikings. I mean, this is a team that can go to the Super Bowl, and, and that's, that's a NFC 
it's more of a statement about the NFC than anything else. But I mean, I if you if you try to rule out the Panthers going to the Super Bowl right now, you're you're completely wrong. I think that yeah, I agree with you on that. I still wouldn't pick them. It no, I'm not picking pick. them. But I think that I mean, this, this is almost week, like remember the beginning of the year, the exercise which was really fun, was like how many teams can go to the, the Super Bowl. Bowl? Yeah. Oh, I think win that, the Super Bowl. I think the Panthers are a good example of who are naming teams that can go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. You're going to name the Panthers, and, and at this point, you'd probably name five teams. I think that in the NFC playoff race, teams that could go to the Super Bowl, Carolina is is one of them, and this week showed me a lot. And we'll talk about that in a second. Minnesota is another. I mean, nothing about their loss this week is like, oh no, the Vikings are done. I mean, that team is still really good. New Orleans, to me, is the number one seed in the NFC in terms of if I was trying to handicap the race. I think they're the best team in the NFC. You know, they had a rough night against Atlanta, but that team's still top to bottom. I believe they have the best roster with Wentz out. Philly, is it still in there, probably? I mean, I just think that the rest of their talent is too good for them to be out of it because of Wentz. I think that... I disagree a little bit. I think that they're so good top to bottom. That's the reason they could make the Super Bowl because I do think teams like Minnesota and New Orleans are really good. But I think that you're, I'm putting Philly in there, but they're closer to the bottom. And the other team I'm putting in there is if he comes back. Oh, yeah. Why can't Green Bay make it? 100%. So those, those five teams are in there. I think New Orleans is right now number one. I still would probably put Minnesota number two, even after losing to Carolina. It's on the road, a couple bad breaks. You know, the Panthers. Defensive line played excellent. You had a couple injuries from Minnesota's offensive line that showed up in a big way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Julius Peppers just roasted Jeremiah Serlis for most of the game. Mario Addison had a great day. Part of it was against Riley Reef. Part of it was against a hurt Riley Reef. So it's a combination of stuff. But I was very impressed with Carolina, and it was in a lot of different ways. And I think the reason I think they're so dangerous, and I maybe didn't give them enough credit going into this game, is one because of that defensive line. Yeah, when you can dominate a game up front like that. It gives you a chance against anybody. And again, against a better offensive line, not as banged up, maybe they can't do that. But this team has really gotten after the quarterback all season. Two, I know the numbers aren't very good, but Newton just can make some big-time throws every single game. Yep. He did that on Sunday. He had one to Funchess. There was a back shoulder fade down the left sideline. That was just a dime. I mean, a ridiculous throw. And then he had one to Burson earlier in that drive. They just ask him to do so much. And the balls he has to fit into some of those windows. And it's a very high difficulty level quarterback offense. The, the bar is extremely high for the quarterback that plays in it. And he's one of the only guys physically that I think could make it happen. And I don't think it's a good passing offense. I think it's extremely inefficient. But he can still make it work just based on the skills that he has. And three, the dude can still move around back there, man. Yep. I mean, he had a night or 60 yard run that pretty much gave them the game. And then his second touchdown to, to uh, his f- touchdown to Funches, he's running around back there, avoiding three people. I mean, the just the volatility that that offense has with him is a good thing, not a bad thing. They're starting to run the ball a little better. I think they're in the mix here. And I probably wouldn't have said that before Sunday. I watched all of that game and I came away thinking every single bit of what they did on Sunday was legit and I think that it can be transferable against any team in this conference in the playoffs. His yards per attempt is down a full yard from his 2015 NBA NFL season. And but I I just don't think the difference is that huge because it's like you say he still has a ceiling as high as almost anybody in the league. 
Um, he reminds me a little bit of a couple of years ago of Dwayne Wade, um, where just every once in a while he'd make a play that would just remind you who he is and, and that, that maybe he was less consistent than he was in, in his absolute peak, which would have been two years ago for, for Newton. But like, you know, every once in a while he just does. And I, I'm Cam Newton play. Um, I want to do the exercise that you did where, where we talked about who, who can make the Super Bowl in the NFC. The answer is literally everybody. Yeah, like, I don't think the exception, Seattle can make it. You don't think Seattle can? I think yeah. they can. That's interesting. I, I just don't think that their defense is good enough. I, I feel like they there's too many things that have to break right for them for the them to only, make it. The only thing, I was playing around the playoff machine, and there's a chance the Lions could sneak in. I, that, that, no, that, thank you. That would be my team that would not make the Super Bowl. Especially because they got to play those red-hot Chicago Bears on Sunday. They might not even win that game. Well, I don't think for some reason I don't understand how this happened. Um, but the Lions were in on the I was running all the scenarios for the Dolphins to make it because I thought it was so funny. And so I did <laughs> on the on the uh, on the machine, like just if every if all the winning percentage people went out. And but then I think if the Lions beat the Packers, they're the Lions have the Bears, Bengals, and Packers. I don't want this. I I, I, I really I, don't want them to make it. It would require it would require like the Seahawks. Nose diving. I want my the two wildcard teams to be Atlanta and Green Bay. You don't you don't want it to be the Seattle Seahawks. No, because I'd rather I want to see Atlanta because I think Atlanta is better, and I want Green Bay to make the playoffs. Cause I think it'd be fun. I, it sucks to leave Seattle on the cutting room floor, but that's I feel like they're the team that has to go at this point for me. Is Aaron Rodgers? Well, I have a question. Is Aaron, why are we, I, I don't know the answer to this. Why are we assuming that Aaron Rodgers is, is, is going to come back in hundred percent? It doesn't matter. I'm a little bit worried, quite frankly. Like, I feel like maybe we're, I don't want him to rush back. We talked about this. I know. A couple weeks ago. We talked about this last week. If he's back, if he's on the field, it doesn't matter to me. I've seen this movie before. Yeah, I've seen this movie before too. It's called Tony Romo breaking his collarbone every time he takes a snap. No, I've, I've seen, I've, I've, we literally saw Aaron Rodgers do this. It okay. already happened. I, I, it went fine, and he was really good. That's why I'm thinking it could happen again because I've had it's happened to me before. So I, the team's trying to make the playoffs. I understand what they're feeling right now with the idea of him coming back. Yeah, they lost their first playoff game that year. True, they weren't very good. I mean, they they really weren't that good of a team. But he, the only reason they were in the playoffs is because of him, right? No, I understand that. All right, um, let's go to third down. Let's actually stick with Seattle for a little bit. We knew that Seattle Jacksonville game. Was a matchup full of really good defensive players. I'm not sure if we thought we'd see plays like this one. First down at 10 for the 25. Bortles takes the shotgun snap. Fakes the handoff. Steps up. He's going to take a deep shot down the field. Keelan Cole makes the catch. 40. 35. 30. Down the far sideline. 20. Inside the 10. Inside the 5. All the way to the end zone. Touchdown Jacksonville. A 75-yard strike. Blake Bortles hitting Keelan Cole in stride. And the Jags right back in front. Kevin... You got to give it to him. Blake Portals played pretty well on Sunday. Just dropping dimes. Yeah, man. I don't know. I, he's got those games. And I wrote about this last week when Jay, uh, Joe Flacco and Bortles both had those big games. And Flacco, it just seemed like it was kind of a new step. And we actually saw him play decent again on Sunday. For Bortles, it was much more of a ping pong. He's back and forth all year. These games are lingering for him. And with this defense, it's what makes Jacksonville kind of scary. I mean, watching that game, there were a couple of throws where you just assume Russell Wilson's going to make them when he has time. Yep. You know, the deep shots of Baldwin, and then he had one where he escaped the pocket and tried to hit Graham along the sideline. 
it was picked off by AJ Boye. I don't think anyone talked about the throw. It was a 40 yard strike that was perfect on the run, but that's what Jacksonville is doing right now. I mean, it just seems like those two guys can cover the entirety of the secondary and it makes throwing against them almost impossible. I mean, I was so impressed with what they did defensively again on Sunday. I, I didn't know what to say. Are the Jaguars? I, I, I saw a headline earlier this morning on CBS that was like, Blake Bortles is making the Jaguars a legitimate threat to the Patriots. I'm not going to go that far at this point. But could they beat the Steelers? Where they, they already did. I mean, they beat oh, the Steelers. I know. I meant in the playoffs. Year. That was I a mean, very different Steelers team. I agree. And the Steelers offense is playing so much better right now. But I just feel like the defense is so good that what you need from Bortles is just a roll of the dice. And if it comes up the right way, they have a shot. It That's reminds me, you know it. who their closest competition is? It's the the dead Peyton Manning Broncos team. That's a really good comparison, actually. And, and, and what happened there, I remember this very vividly. I remember joking about the Panthers blowing out the Broncos when the, like five minutes after the matchup was set. And someone was like, someone in football was like, you know, good defenses don't get blown out. It just doesn't happen. And it's going to be an extremely choppy game and, and it will come down to a lot of luck, right? And so then I started to, to view it and, and I started to watch a little bit of film and I realized that the Broncos are going to win the game. And, and they did. And, and I feel like a similar thing could happen here in at least one or two of the playoff matchups with the Jaguars. And that it's just it's exactly what you said. It's a roll of the dice. They hold a team to 13 points. They get a defensive touchdown. They get some good returns. And then Blake Bortles makes one play. That may be all you need to, to, to pull a massive upset in playoffs. The only bad loss they have right now, as you look at their schedule, really bad is against the Jets. I mean, losing to the Cardinals isn't fun, but that Jets team, that Jets game was just a game they shouldn't lose. They gave up these two long runs. That's the weird spot on their schedule because you assume late in the season, you know, they're in the midst of six wins and seven games that you lose a game like that Arizona game. Bortles lays an egg. You you play on the road against the defense with some decent players. Those happen. But for the most part. Also, we also everyone during that Jets, that Jets game was sort of buying into. Remember, people were like, well. Who's the real sleeper, the Jets or the Jaguars? It was a very different Jets team. Agree. Well, I, it's not even that it was a different Jets team. I think it's a different Jaguars team. That's when they could oh, stop the yeah. run for anything. You know, they're 23rd in run defense DVOA right now. That'll go up over the course of the year. I think if you looked at that weighted, it'd be much better. The Darius thing has helped. I feel like they've kind of figured that out. Mm-hmm. So again, as teams settle into who they are as the season goes, the Jaguars have only gotten better. So I, I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, they're a defense that, is every bit as good as it seems. This isn't a scenario where the offense is bad, so we're saying the defense is better than it is. That's not true at all. It's really, really good. I would pick having the best pass defense and a mediocre run defense every time, and that's what the Jags have. And it, every it, it's not a fluke. Everything they do top to bottom is excellent. I mean, even watching that game again, Malik Jackson has that sack late. Campbell yep. has the hit on the last throw from Wilson to kind of seal the game. They have so many guys on an individual play basis that can beat you. And I feel like that's going to show up. I mean, the Steelers and the Patriots do not want to play Jacksonville. If you're picking teams in the AFC in that bottom tier after those top two, they are the team you want to see the least. I would put the Chargers right after them. 
When I was thinking about Doug Peterson making the Super Bowl and doing his press conference and having no idea what's going on, I now I'm now thinking about how the funniest people to be doing Super Bowl press conferences. Is Doug Marone, the answer. Doug Marone. And it's like <laughs> it is uh, Super Bowl press conferences. There are like three thousand people there. Yeah, it's great. Like it's just you know it's like a bunch of uh, international media everywhere asking weird questions and just Marone. That'd be great. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, that just the way you said that was fantastic. All right, let's very quickly before we get to Danny, let's get to fourth down, and we'll talk about that back half of the AFC playoff picture that I just kind of mentioned. So the Bills continue to hang around thanks to some yep. Hoth-like conditions yep. in Buffalo on Sunday. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the ten, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. 21-yard touchdown run by the Bills. They win it in overtime, 13-7. And a whole host of Bills are diving all over the snow and chasing down LaShawn McCoy in the left corner of the end zone as the Bills pull it out in overtime. First question here, Kevin. Is LaShawn McCoy in a blizzard the greatest player in NFL history? Yes. We've seen this twice now, and the other one was when he played for Philly against the Lions that one day where he rushed for 200 yards. <laughs> He's unstoppable when there's snow on the ground. It's amazing. I, I, that's what a skill. It's, and it's not surprising when you think of just the way he plays. His style is the, all the cuts and everything else. Footing is so important. And when he has the advantage of knowing where he's going and other people not having chains on their sneakers, it's probably going to be an issue. He's also from up north, from Pennsylvania. So he probably yeah, wasn't snow when he was younger. There's a lot of guys, a lot of guys, more than you think, who are from the south. I'm one of them, but I'm not an NFL player, who are just like, I'm shutting it down in the cold. Didn't Leonard Fournette say that? Yeah, he was not happy. About Leonard Fournette Cleveland. literally said, "Like I'm not, I'm not gonna, it's not gonna be happening." Like I, th- th- there's a lot more guys who just opt out than you think, and just want to go back inside. Listen, man, I don't blame him. I, I'm up in Chicago right now. I completely understand. All right, with that win, the Bills are back in the sixth spot in the AFC. This whole thing is a mess. I, I don't. I'm not sure there's a way. I don't. I don't think handicapping it is worth the time. I mean, at this point. I think what I'm rooting for is I would like to see the Titans not make it because the Titans aren't very good Mm -hmm. and I have no interest in watching them in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And after this week, that seems like it's possible. So in my mind, I still think the two teams I'd like to see just in period make the AFC playoffs are Baltimore and San Diego. So wherever the Chargers play. Okay. Remember how we kept joking about how all if we just stuck with all our predictions and never moved off them, we would look a lot smarter than than we currently do yeah you know what one of those predictions was that 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 we backed off of both of us backed off of emphatically and i wish we hadn't the mike malarkey thing yeah because we sat here and we were like mike malarkey is just a garbage hire and then we're like wow look at mike malarkey and now uh the first take was correct yes i agree so okay if you're sitting here all right so I think we can both say that the Chargers are just a good team that probably will be a factor in the playoffs if they make it. Just pencil that in. Would you rather see the Chiefs and the Ravens? Is Are those the three teams you would like to see get in here? The Chiefs and the Ravens? I would I would not. I don't want to see the Ravens. 
Okay, so who would you rather see then? I have no, I just don't, I would, don't want, I want one of the teams to get a buy. One of the wildcard teams to get a buy. <laughs> you, you just don't want, you just yeah, want five I just, teams? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we'll just okay. do the else. No, I mean, I guess, I, I, I guess, I'd rather see the Titans than the Ravens. Okay. I can understand that a little bit. I would not. Okay. I think the Ravens are just a better team. Okay. Can, know, that defense, I mean, can they I, got can lit I, up can by I, Can I, can I uh, try to persuade you? Sure. Okay. Uh, this is the ESPN report. Um, the Titans' last play of the game was a throw to Adoree Jackson. Yeah, yeah. They hadn't practiced the play before. They just told him to run his route. The pass went his way. Okay, that's what happened, and 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 it, obviously the play did not work. Um, I think he was, it was supposed to be like just a jailbreak screen, try to get something, make something happen. Uh-huh. I understand trying to get the ball in his hands. Isn't that something you should practice though? If or ex- at the end of a game situation, explain, if we're going to try to do this, explain it to him like 20 minutes before we're going to do it. Like, hey, yeah. I thought about something. Um, I want that team in the playoffs. I want, I want Malarkey making up plays in the sideline. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I don't know. Marcus Mariota, totally... Marcus Mariota to me is more interesting than Joe Flacco. I agree, but the Ravens are just playing better. I know they hey. lost that game, but they, they moved the ball. I, I, I'm looking at the pro football or the uh, 538 football odds report. I just want to say that Green Bay and the Dolphins have the same exact playoff odds at six percent. Is there a more just opposite? Like one team, we both, we everyone desperately wants to make the playoffs, and one team just everyone would just turn off their TV in mass, and they have the same exact odds. <laughs> One of these teams is making it, but you know what? It, it, it being 2017, I think we know exactly which which six percent team is making it. Uh, yeah, that's very true. I know. I, I just I can't deal with this time of the year. I really, really can't. All right, Kevin, uh, let's move on. Let's get to your craziest headline of the yeah. week. Lay it on me. Um, you know, I, I I actually was looking earlier, and I was a bit surprised that Belichick took a stance that he, he did you see the press conference last night no I did not I, I mean I was paying attention to okay. it on Twitter I saw like that one clip where he just didn't answer the question well, he said give me a break when he was asked about the Steelers Wh- whether or not they were looking ahead to the Steelers yeah I saw that and I gotta be honest with you I know that we we, we have built up this the Patriots as this otherworldly you know, inhuman machine, but they're still human. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's a lot of it. You know, I mean, they're playing on Monday night. So then they have the Steelers next week. That's that's less time to prepare, obviously. Um, it's a huge game. Everybody's been talking about it basically since we realized that the Steelers were going to be contenders and this game was likely going to be for home field. I, I was surprised by that kind of dismissal because I, I wouldn't be surprised if that played a slight role into it. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point for all the Belichickian bullshit that there is, we're, they're human beings. They're, they're guys. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, for as much as we want to ascribe the superhuman quality to his ability. The Patriot way. Them. Oh, the yes. Patriot way. The Patriot way means not knowing that there's a huge game next week. Yeah, exactly. Unless you do an entire media blackout or don't tell the players. There really does need to be some brainwashing going on. Like mind control is necessary in order for them to not find out they're playing the Steelers next week. I just... I, I just this idea that that players are machines is almost offensive to me. These are just guys. Like I've, I've yes. talked to, I've talked to these guys. They have 
feelings and interests just like just like we do. And uh, and and so I I do not. I, I think that the trap game mentality could have snuck in here, and I, I think it'll be fine. I think the Patriots are still going to make the Super Bowl, whatever. But you know, just just be honest, Bill. Yeah, I mean, trust me, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I feel like it's kind of ridiculous everything that goes on with again what we ascribe to his power. Yeah, eventually, it's just not going to matter every once in a while. All right, let me get to my ringer of the week, and uh, I'm going to go with someone from my Chicago Bears. I'm going to be honest, Kyle Fuller. Had his second ridiculous game in as many weeks. He played fantastic last week against San Francisco. Uh, interception, pass breakup in the, in the red zone. And he comes back and follows that with an outstanding day against A.J. Green. Targeted nine times, allowed three catches. Got to be honest with you. Had no idea what Kendall Fuller, the Kendall Fuller, or Kyle Fuller looked Kyle good. Fuller. Kyle Fuller, excuse me. Kyle Fuller looked good on Sunday. I missed that. Great. I missed that performance. He was excellent. Allowed three catches. Uh, 14 yards and three passes defense. I mean, for the second straight week, just came out and played extremely well. And the reason that I'm kind of highlighting this is that I want to talk about just kind of the Bears younger guys in general. Kyle Fuller isn't that young. But at this point in the season, when you have a really terrible football team, all you're hoping for is that you have a couple glimpses of, all right, maybe this is getting better. Maybe this is getting better. And the fact that Fuller was written off as a lost cause before the lost cause before the season. And now, okay, you know, what do they do at corner next year? Do they bring him back? He's playing extremely well. That's something you can latch on to. The Bears' entire rookie class looked great on Sunday. Trubisky played by far the best game he's played as a pro against a very real NFL defense. Adam Shaheen caught a touchdown pass. Eddie Jackson stripped A.J. Green on the sideline. There was a huge play. The Bears got the ball back. Tariq Cohen, again, looked excellent. So at this point in the year, if you have a team like this, this is all you have. Is is there one or two silver linings every week of, can this be better with a few changes in the offseason up top to the roster, everything else? And for the first time in a while, watching the Bears on Sunday, I was like, okay, m- maybe. You know, maybe this is headed in the right direction with a couple of the young guys with the draft classes that we've had in the last couple seasons. And again, the way Trubisky played, that's the stuff you need. I mean, that is what you need to see to keep coming back. And I was very pleased with everything about that. Them winning sucks in a way because now they have the seventh pick in the draft. But I'd rather give up a couple spots and have actual reasons for hope moving forward. Speaking of hope, Jimmy Garoppolo looks freaking good. Yeah, he looks good. He had a couple just very no regard for where the ball was going throws on yeah, Sunday. Yeah. But I think that's a product of a lot of things. I mean, that offense, there's not much help there. You know, their offensive line is dinged up in the wrong ways. I'm very impressed. I'm so, extremely happy with what he could be in that offense. And I think the trade is a one. It's a 500 foot home run for San Francisco. I want to go back to Kyle Fuller for a second, because I accidentally called him Kendall, yes. who is his brother. They're related. Yeah. There are four K- Fuller's who played in the NFL, Vincent Fuller, Corey Fuller, Kyle Fuller, and Kendall Fuller. I feel like we should talk more about this. Like, I feel like we should, like the Sutter, remember the Sutter brothers in hockey? Yeah, I do. I mean, I just, a lot of them made their way through Chicago. The Fuller brothers are just incredible. How many true fonts made the NFL? Uh, But they weren't brothers, right? Some of them were. Desmond and Marcus are cousins. No, it's his brother. Are they? I yeah. thought they were cousins. Marcus Trufant, Isaiah Trufant, and Desmond Trufant are all brothers. Oh, I did not know that. I thought they were cousins. That's on. That's my bad. But the I do, the, the point. That's not the issue here. The issue here is the Fuller brothers have a full brother 
more in the NFL. Yeah, there's only three Gronks and three Watts, right? How many Gronks made the NFL? I think three, right? Very briefly. Or maybe just two. Glenn I mean, and Rob. The different with, with the true fonts and the Fullers had had careers. I mean, the yeah, Watts, the fair. Watts, the Watts have a chance. I mean, Derek Watt has a chance to come back or whatever. TJ and JJ are obviously going to be. Derek's still on the Chargers. No, I, I, I'm. He's been on it for 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 two years, for one yeah, year. That's fair. I'm saying that the, the Fullers like got you know at least through the rookie contracts. And the true fonts did obviously as well. <laughs> Calfora barely did. <laughs> that's why this year is so weird. The fact that they didn't get do his fifth year option, and now it's like, man, they probably have to bring him back. <laughs> weird it's been a strange season continuing the fuller legacy yeah exactly all right coming up danny's gonna come talk about a very rough day for the seahawks plus we'll talk about who might be able to jump seattle in the playoff chase down the stretch that's next on the ringer nfl show part of the ringer podcast network Kevin, I don't think you realize how cold it is in Chicago right now. We're talking 18 degrees. My ears almost fell off this morning. Lucky for you, today's episode is sponsored by Action Heat. They make the world's best heated clothing. Let me tell you, I had my Action Heat socks on this morning when I went out for coffee. I'm really not sure what I would have done without them. And it's not just socks. We're talking jackets, heated gloves, heated hats, and even undergarments. That all sounds great. After this morning, I'm definitely in the market for one of those Action Heat hats. They're even powered by rechargeable batteries. I know. It's really easy to use, even for the tech challenge like me. I'm telling you, Action Heat is a perfect solution for these frigid winter weather conditions. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels, similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable low-voltage batteries that last up to 12 hours each on a charge. And Action Heat batteries can be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you wear them, which is awesome. It's a perfect holiday gift. They have men's and women's styles and start at just $39.99. Again, with the holidays coming up, it's a perfect gift for your cold weather friends and family. And they're in luck because our listeners can save 15% off your entire order. Guys, you have to jump on that. Just go to action-heat.com slash NFL to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's action-heat.com slash NFL or use the coupon code NFL at checkout to save 15%. Stay warm this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Time to welcome in our good friend, Danny Kelly. Danny, an ugly loss and an even uglier aftermath for your Seahawks on Sunday. Yeah, that was brutal. That was a brutal ending. The Seahawks have kind of uh, made it a habit of doing that stuff at the end of the games. It's, it's pretty dumb. I mean, as a Seahawks fan, you want them to be competitive and all that, but that kind of stuff is just... It's kind of, it's just embarrassing, really. It just doesn't need to happen. That's one step over the line. I think going after guys in the kneel is just not okay. I mean, that's just one of those things where everyone's a professional, like, let's act like it. And so that stuff is just kind of unacceptable, but as unacceptable as what happened in the stands. It just, I was very upset about it. I was tweeting about it when it happened. Yeah. It's the, those guys should not have to deal with that at their place of business. Like, it just, no matter what happened, that is one step too far. It's, I don't, it really does get me riled up in a way it probably shouldn't. I mean, there was, that was I I completely agree. It's and it was one of those things where if if Seahawks fans were complaining about that, then they and then Jags fans were saying, "Oh well, you know, your player took a shot." It, like they're they're totally unrelated. That exactly. that's absolutely unrelated. Yes, what Bennett did was terrible, but 
completely unrelated to that. Like, don't throw stuff from the from the you know from the seats or whatever. It's just terrible. It's you know it, it's something that needs to stop. It, it, I know it doesn't just happen. It's not it only happened in Jacksonville. It's happened all over the NFL. It sucks. It's just something that you know the NFL needs to crack down on. Yeah, you should never be able to attend an NFL game again if you do that. I mean, I just I don't totally. think that's an overreaction. All right, with that Seahawks loss and with wins from really every other NFC playoff hopeful, things are getting interesting for some of the teams on the fringe of the wild card race here. In your mind, Danny, we've talked a little bit about the NFC race today. Mm-hmm. Which of those teams do you think has the best chance to leapfrog Seattle and steal a spot here? I mean, okay, so I went over it like 10 times this morning and for the teams that are basically still in it, like the Lions, Packers, and Cowboys, um, those are the teams that are right behind Seattle right now. Obviously, the Falcons and the Panthers would be in it if it started today. Um, for me, I'm not confident in the Lions. I know we talked about them a few a few weeks ago. <laughs> Neither my are confidence, we. My, my, my confidence in them has waned, I'll put it that way. But they have by far the easiest schedule down the stretch. I mean, they play the Bears, Bengals. They're... They at home against the Bears, at, on the road against the Bengals, and then at home against the Packers. Um, they've already got one win against the Packers, so that helps. Um, I, right now, it sounds like the easiest way for them to make the playoffs for the Lions is they need Seattle to lose one game, which seems pretty likely. They need the Falcons to lose final two out of their three, which is also possible because the Falcons have, they're at the Bucks, at the Saints, and then at home against the Panthers. The Seahawks have a really tough schedule, Rams, Cowboys, Cardinals. So just based on the, the, the final schedule, to me, it seems like the Lions have probably the best chance. But if I was like putting money on it, the Packers, is, well, we'll have to figure out what happens. I don't know what time this podcast is going to publish, if we'll know about Aaron Rodgers yet. But obviously, if Aaron Rodgers is back, that, that gives the Packers a pretty good boost, even though. Again, their schedule is brutal at Panthers, Vikings, at Lions. So, guys, Ryan Ryan Longwell was just inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame. Sure. Are we sure yeah. about that? I'm, I'm looking <laughs> at the Packers Hall of Fame here. Uh, I'm looking at the Packers Hall of Fame. Kind of a low bar. I got to be honest with you. (laughs) Kind of a low bar, guys. Those are always interesting to me. Who gets in the team Hall of Fame? Because Chris is a crapshoot. Chris Jackie. Who was the kicker that Longwell replaced is also in. God, Chris Jackie. What years did he play? Uh, 89 to 96. <laughs> I, I do not remember that very well. Uh, I mean, that was, that was could be Amilo's in the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure That's about fair. that. I, I don't know about that. No, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Nick Collins? Yes. Okay. I think the height of your career matters for Hall of Fames. And I think that Nick Collins had a one hell of a height of his career. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're on board with Don Majkowski is in. <laughs> Are you talking about harder. overall hall of fame? No, or the just Packers, Packers, hall of fame. Packers hall of fame. Okay. 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 KGB had 75 sacks. Why isn't Aaron dur- Campman in? Is he not? He's not in. How many, <laughs> how many no, sacks did Aaron Campman have? I, I don't know. Packers career? I was joking. Aaron Cameron had a really nice career. I know he got snubbed by the Packers Hall of Fame. Only 58. Unbelievable. Two-time Pro Bowler, though. Two-time second team All-Pro. But Aaron Cameron looks guys like have Bradley all Cooper. This Did you just Google this? How do you know all this stuff? No, we memorized it. <laughs> we memorized the Packer Hall of Fame. I, 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 are I like just trivia really masters. Mar- 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 you, Marco Aaron, Rivera is in Aaron Cameron looks a lot like Bradley Cooper. This is weird. 
<laughs> this is weird. I did not expect this. This is great radio, but if you guys want to look it up, he really does. <laughs> I didn't know oh, we were going to be talking bizarre. about the Packers Hall of Fame. Hey, here, listen, so. I can dig just into a lot across. of early 2000s Packers players if you want me to. <laughs> Robert Brooks is in. He was good. Yeah, that makes sense. Is Antonio Freeman in? He is. Class 2009. Yeah, with, yeah, with, I'm not with, sure how Robert with Brooks Frank would have been. I think this is kind of, we're, we're doing this in a way because the only thing that really matters here is if the Packers get in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just saw. I just I, I was. I saw this ten minutes ago, and I just desperately wanted to bring up how many people are in the Packers Hall of Fame, and I was just waiting for a jumping off point. And then here's Danny, Danny brought the, up the Packers. Here's where I'm at in the <laughs> Team Hall of Fame thing, though. Why not? Like, the, what's the I, I downside of letting the these Patriots, guys in? The Patriots have significantly. I know their Hall of Fame hasn't been around as long as the Packers has, but they have significantly fewer members. They're more selective. Yeah. It's the Patriot they way, man. Be. I mean, they've been like 20 They're never looking years, forward though. to the next Hall of Fame. <laughs> right, exactly. They, Belichick's going to burn the Hall of Fame to the ground because it might be a distraction. <laughs> Dan, Danny, if you were to face one of these teams in the playoffs, say like every team in the mix for a wild card, so mm. let's say Carolina, Atlanta, Green Bay, which team as a Seahawks fan would you want to play the least? Uh, that's a good question. Um Probably the Packers, especially. Oh, I mean, this is obviously a huge caveat if Aaron Rodgers. Yes, is on I understand the you right. don't mean the Packers with Brett Hundley <laughs> or the Panthers because I mean the Seahawks have just had a lot of really really tough matchups with the Panthers over the years, and so that that's just always a really tough physical. It's almost like a division game for Seahawks. Um, but I mean, just the Packers right now, based on the Seahawks injuries, you know, in the secondary and. I mean, now like Bobby Wagner and KJ Ryder are potentially out for a little bit. So that's huge. I mean, like just going down the stretch, the Seahawks defense is so banged up that it's terrifying to think of going up against Aaron Rodgers with that kind of thing. So, yeah. Atlanta doesn't scare you. I mean, every team that's in the, the like even the Cowboys right now are still, you know, that's the Seahawks play the Cowboys uh, week 16. And that to me is a, that's a huge game. That's a really tough game. That team, you know, they can run the ball really well. They're going to have Zeke back. I'm still a big believer in Dak Prescott. So, I mean, any of these teams are good. Like, yeah. The, I mean, the Falcons have beat the Seahawks in the playoffs, obviously. So, yeah. I mean, it's, any it of these teams It seems like this might be, be the year, Danny. might be the year where you guys have to watch on the couch for during wildcard weekend. I'm, I would not be it, surprised by that. It is not. I mean, honestly, it's looking grim. The, the injury situation is really concerning. Obviously, if the Seahawks beat the Rams this week, That'll put him in a really good position to win the division. But I mean, yeah, they're going they're gonna be playing the Rams who are getting healthier without probably without Bobby Wagner, obviously without Sherman Chancellor. Um, and then maybe KJ Wright, who got a concussion last week. So they're losing they're out like they're, you know, four of their best players. So it's just rough. It, it, you know, even if it's at home, that's still a really good Rams offense. And, you know, it's an NFC West division game, so it's always tough. It's just not it's not looking good. If they don't win out, it's going to be really tough. So, yeah, I'm worried. <laughs> but that the way. NFC, man. The NFC is brutal. All right, Danny. Thanks a lot, buddy. Uh, we will talk to you again on Friday, as we always do. We appreciate it. And uh, talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good, guys. All right, Kevin. Before we get out of here, let's offer our lasting impressions from week 14. What you got? There's only four. There's not even a Seahawks Hall of Fame. <laughs> they just list the Hall of Famers. 
who were on the Seahawks, of which there uh, were, they there have were four. guys hanging in the rafters, though, there. They have, we have retired numbers. Yeah, that's close. Steve Largent. Jim Zorn. Okay. My lasting impression. I mean, it is what we talked about all, all show, which is Carson Wentz and, and the year of, of disappointment. And here we had a quarterback and a team that was going to make us forget about 2017, and instead they reinforced it. And that's the, the shame of it all. And I, I, wish, I wish it were different, but it's, it's, you know, now we have Nick Foles. If, if he makes the Super Bowl, more power to him, but it's not going to be the same. The Wentz wagon was a beautiful thing, and I'm looking forward to it um, next, next fall. Yeah, I was going to do something similar. I mean, I think that the resignation I felt during that play and when I saw him walking off, it was depressing. Just like, oh, I yeah, knew, that makes sense. Very quickly, I, I knew it was a problem when uh, it was third down and they didn't get it and it became fourth down. And Wentz was very quickly trying to go to the sideline, it looked like. Like, you, you know how every quarterback does the it's fourth down, I want to go for it thing, yeah. including Wentz. And like, you know, Phil Rivers isn't going to come off the feet. You know what I'm saying? And you could see Wentz, like as soon as the play was over, start to walk back to the sideline. And I was like, hmm, something's wrong here because quarterbacks always pretend that they're going to go for it on fourth down. And they actually did go for it on fourth down. And he had to sort of walk back out there. Not, yeah. I mean, he, he, went, I'm, he walked a total of 15 yards. I'm talking about that scene just, you know, as he walked off is. Again, the resignation that I felt while it happened was like, this is just this year and this sucks. I can't believe I'm used to this and just expect it to happen by now. Uh, so, yeah, I was going to talk about that again. We talked about Wentz all show. Uh, I'm going to do something that's more of a lasting impression about football in general. Uh, Devin Hester retired today. And as a football fan, few things uh, have made, given me more joy about this sport than watching Devin Hester. I mean, that 2006 season. That was a magical run for the team in general, but he was a huge part of it. And there are so many Devin Hester plays. And I think this is when you know that certain moments have landed with you and they stick with you. You remember where you were when they happened. And almost every single one of the big Devin Hester returns, I remember where I was. That Arizona punt return on Monday night when the Bears had that incredible comeback. I was in my dorm room at Mizzou. When he returned the field goal against the Giants, I remember I was watching with a couple buddies at a sports bar there. When he returned those two punts against Denver in 07 and the Bears won that impossible game, I was at the airport as at O'Hare waiting to go back to school after Thanksgiving. And I remember really being glad the plane was delayed because it meant I got to watch the rest of the game. And I would have missed both of those if not. And then you think about the Super Bowl return. I remember I was visiting my college girlfriend in Illinois. I watched it with a bunch of people in the dorm. I remember he returned a punt on Monday night against Green Bay in 2010. I was in London. It was three in the morning and I had to convince the people running the bar in Piccadilly Circus to keep it open until four so I could watch the rest of the game. And that's what Devin Hester was. He was just this constant source of excitement. And every time he went back to return a kick, whether you were in the stadium, whether you were watching on TV, you were glued to the television because you had absolutely no idea what could happen. And those teams were so strange in how they were successful, but they were. And he played as much a role in that as anybody else. He's the greatest kick returner of all time. It's not even a conversation. And I feel like if you have that distinction, you 100% belong in the Hall of Fame. So those are my Devin Hester thoughts. It was a special time. And uh, thank you very much, Devin, for uh, all you did for us Bears fans. That's very nice. Thanks, buddy.
All right. That's it for today. We'll be back on Friday to get everything set for week 15, which has some huge games. The games that some teams were looking <laughs> looking forward to when they shouldn't have been. As always, thanks for listening to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network.